Amen. Thank you so much for that special. I pray that you bowed the knee today as we come before the King, and I pray that this morning chapel can be a blessing to each and every one of us here today. Let's stand together if you have your Bibles, and once again, welcome to chapel, and welcome our guests, and we're so grateful that you're with us throughout this week, and once again, pray that the last couple days have been a tremendous blessing and encouragement to you. Take your Bibles, if you would, this morning. Go to Acts chapter number 18. Acts chapter number 18. And uh, I've felt led of the Lord here this morning to go to this passage and really uh, preach on a subject that has been delivered continuously from this pulpit throughout this week as we think about missions conference and uh, just the emphasis when it comes to passion and uh, the emphasis when it comes to being a missionary for the Lord and uh, being a soul winner for the Lord Jesus Christ. And so I'd like to look at Acts chapter number 18 here this morning, and uh, we're going to look at this portion of the Apostle Paul's life as we find him in the city of Corinth and uh, maybe just a different uh, take here this morning as we think about some of these truths. Uh, but once again, uh, being renewed in our passion as it comes to preaching the gospel and uh, reaching souls with the gospel. And so Acts chapter 18, verse number 9, down to verse number 11. The Bible reads in verse number 9, it says, Then spake the Lord to Paul in the night by a vision, Be not afraid, but speak, and hold not thy peace. For I am with thee, and no man shall set on thee to hurt thee, for I have much people in this city. And he continued there a year and six months, teaching the word of God among them. Let's pray together. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for this morning. We thank you for the awesome privilege that we have to gather together and just to pause and to sing worship and praises unto you. And then, Lord, to be blessed by the special number that we just heard. And then, Father, to be challenged from the scriptures, from the word of God. And Father, I pray that you would use the principles that we find here in your word to strengthen us. I pray, Lord, that you would give us comfort, encouragement. But then, Father, I pray that you would revive us. I pray, Lord, that you would reignite us. I pray, Lord, that you would renew us when it comes to the area of passion, as we think about the passion that we need to serve you, to love you. And then specifically, Lord, as we think about the context here this morning, the passion that we need, once again, to speak up and to tell everyone that we can concerning the good news of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so, Father, speak to our hearts and uh, have freedom and liberty within our lives here this morning, and we'll thank you for it. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. You may be seated. You know, as we think about this subject here this morning, God desires that every single one of us here today would live a life that is filled with passion in the things of God. Uh, God does not desire that we would live a life of apathy this morning. He does not desire that we would live a life of complacency and a life that is indifferent, but rather God desires that we would live a life that is on passion for the things of our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. I think about in Mark chapter 12, verse number 30, the Bible teaches us that we ought to live a life of passion when it comes to our relationship with our God. The Bible reads there, and thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart and with all thy soul and with all thy mind and with all thy strength, and this is the first commandment. And so we find here that we ought to live a life that is fervent when it comes to our relationship with our Savior. In Titus chapter 2, verse 13 and 14, we also find there that we ought to be zealous when it comes to the good works that God is calling us to do. In verse number 13, it says, Looking for that blessed hope and the glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us that he might redeem us from all iniquity and purify unto himself a 
peculiar people, zealous of good works. And so the Bible commands us that as we await for the appearing of our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, the blessed hope that we have within our hearts, we ought to be busy in the work and we ought to be zealous in doing good works for our Savior. And then also I think about in Romans chapter number 12, the Bible speaks about the fervent heart that we must have as we serve one another. It says, be kindly affectioned one to another with brotherly love in honor preferring one another, not slothful in business, fervent in spirit, serving the Lord. And the fact of the matter is here this morning that we are all passionate about something within this life. There are some people that are passionate about their careers. Uh, there are some people that are passionate about their sin and their lifestyle. There are some people that are passionate about their cars and their hobbies and some people that are passionate about politics and sports. And, and then I think about some people that are passionate about their pets and they're passionate about the animals that they have at their house. I wonder here this morning, how many of you are passionate about cats? You're a, you're a cat lover. Would you raise your hand this morning? All right, just, just a handful of you, all right? Then the other side of that, how many of you are dog lovers? You would raise your hand, all right? That's me, all right? Dog lover. And uh, I have a ferocious animal in my house. It is called a pomapoo. It is a Pomeranian and a poodle mix. It's about this high, and uh, it yaps a little bit when you come in, and then starts licking you. It's the worst uh, guard dog that we can have. Nevertheless, uh, I am a dog lover, and some of us are passionate about our pets. I think about a billionaire by the name of Leona Helmsley. She was passionate about her dog. Her dog was named Trouble, and uh, when, when she died, when Leona Helmsley died in August of 2007, she left Trouble a $12 million trust fund, a $12 million trust fund that it might continue to live a life of luxury. That dog traveled in a limo. That dog would travel on private jets. I mean, that dog uh, had $100,000 that was allocated to its care uh, throughout the year. $8,000 went to just its grooming, $1,200 uh, just to its food. It also had a full-time security guard that would protect that dog just in case people would kidnap that dog and ask for a ransom. And here was a lady that was passionate about her dog. She ordered that when the dog died, it was to be buried next to her in the Helmsley Mausoleum, and she allocated $3 million for the upkeep of that mausoleum. She was passionate. Uh, she was fervent. She was on fire, if you let me say it that way, concerning her pet, concerning her dog. And this morning, there are a lot of different things that we might become passionate about. It's not necessarily wrong to be passionate about certain things within our life. We ought to be passionate about the things that God has given us. But I wonder here this morning, are you passionate about the things of God? Are you passionate about the things that we find within the scriptures? Are you passionate about sharing the gospel? Are you passionate about telling others about the good news concerning the death, the burial, and the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ? You know, William Booth said, some men's passion is for gold. Some men's passion is for art. Some men's passion is for fame. My passion is for souls. And as we think about the Apostle Paul here this morning, as we think about his life that we find within the Scriptures, Paul was a passionate man. Uh, Paul was zealous concerning his relationship with the Lord. Paul had a fervent love when it came to the New Testament local church. And, and Paul was passionate about preaching the gospel and winning souls for his Savior. 
I think about on his first missionary journey, Paul ministers in the city of Lystra. Many of you know this story. As he enters into the city of Lystra, he faces resistance and opposition to the gospel message. And the Bible teaches us that he's stoned by the Jews. Uh, and then he's left there for dead. Nevertheless, it doesn't deter the Apostle Paul. And the Bible teaches us that the Apostle Paul stood up from that stoning and he simply brushed that off and then he went back into the city and then the next day he walked over to Derby, which was about 30 miles away and there he preached the gospel and then he came back to the city of Lystra and also to Iconium and then Antioch and the Bible says what was he doing there? He was preaching the gospel and he was confirming the souls of the disciples. Here was a man that was passionate in preaching the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, I think about Paul's second missionary journey as we, as we find that he arrives in several uh, different regions in Macedonia and also in Achaia. But I think about a specific instance in the city of Athens where he's there all by himself. And he's waiting for Timothy and Silas and he sees the paganism of that city. And the Bible says that he was stirred up in his spirit and he went throughout that city preaching the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. In Acts 17, verse 16, the Bible reads, Now while Paul waited for them at Athens, his spirit was stirred in him when he saw the city wholly given to idolatry. Therefore disputed he in the synagogue with the Jews and with the devout persons and in the market daily with them that met with him. And so as we think about the life of the Apostle Paul on his missionary journeys, here was a man that couldn't simply sit there and remain silent when he saw a world that was lost in paganism and sin. He had to stand up and he had to speak up. He was passionate about sharing the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. But then we come here to Acts chapter number 18, and this is towards the end of his second missionary journey, and we find him leaving the city of Athens. Uh, he has traveled through uh, the region of Macedonia. He had the Macedonian call as he was over in Asia Minor. He wanted to go through Bithynia and Asia, but the Spirit of God suffered him not and sent him over to the continent of Europe. And he preached the gospel in Philippi. And then from Philippi, he went to Thessalonica. And then from there, he went to Berea. And then from there, he went south to Achaia. And we find him in Athens. And now in Acts chapter number 18, we find him in the city of Corinth. And as we come towards the end of Paul's second missionary journey, we don't we don't know the exact details. We don't have the definitive answer, but something has changed. Uh, something's different about the heart of the Apostle Paul. And as we find him here in Acts chapter number 18, we think about the zeal of Paul and we think about the confidence of Paul and we think about his passion and we find here that his passion has somewhat waned. Uh, we find here that, that the zeal and the confidence that he has 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 somewhat dwindled as we come here to Acts chapter number 18, verse number 9. And I find here a season in the Apostle Paul's life where he is in need of a renewal of passion. And I wonder here this morning, do you need a renewal of passion today? I wonder here this morning, how is your passion? Uh, was there a time that you were more excited about going out on maybe a Saturday or a Sunday or a Monday and, and knocking doors and telling people about the Lord Jesus Christ? Was there a time that every time you left your room or every time you left your car, you would always make sure that you had a stack full of tracts so that you could hand it out to people at your workplace? I wonder here this morning, how's your passion specifically when it comes to being a witness and sharing the gospel message of the Lord Jesus Christ? Are you zealous? to stand up and to speak up for our Savior here this morning. I want to share with you several thoughts today as we look at these three verses on how Paul was renewed in his passion 
by the Lord. First of all, notice with me, if, if we can do somewhat of a background study here this morning, I find here, first of all, the reluctance of Paul. Notice with me the reluctance or, or maybe the retreat of Paul. And we find here in verse number nine, the Bible says, Then spake the Lord to Paul in the night by a vision, be not afraid. We find here from the encouragement of the Lord, the implication that Paul in Corinth was struggling with fear and with a loss of passion. Warren Wiersbe says this concerning this portion of Scripture. He says, Luke does not give us the details, but I get the impression that between Acts 18.8 and Acts 18.9, the situation became especially difficult and dangerous. Paul may have been thinking about leaving the city when the Lord came to him and gave him the assurance that he needed. And so as we come to Acts chapter number 18, we find Paul in this momentary season of discouragement, we find him here contemplating possibly about simply remaining silent and also possibly considering whether or not he ought to continue the work there within the city of Corinth. I think about some other portions of the Bible that gives us a little bit of insight concerning what Paul might have been going through as he was there in the city of Corinth. In 1 Corinthians chapter 2, uh, verse number 3, this is about three years after Acts chapter number uh, 18 here as he's writing back uh, to the church at Corinth uh, from the city of Ephesus. And he writes there concerning his testimony and his entrance into that city. He says, and I was with you in weakness and in fear and in much trembling. We also think about the first epistle to the church over at Thessalonica in 1 Thessalonians chapter 3, verse number 7. This was written during Paul's initial visit to the city of Corinth. And he writes there to the church in Thessalonica, Therefore, brethren, we were comforted over you in all our affliction and distress by your faith. And I believe here this morning the distress and the affliction of Paul was a combination of of several factors that he was going through. And I think, first of all, it might have had something to do with the fact that he was in a city that was rampant with sin. And I think that might have discouraged the Apostle Paul. I find here the sin of Corinth. In Acts chapter 18, verse 1, once again, the Bible teaches us that after these things, Paul departed from Athens and came to Corinth. Uh, Corinth was situated as an isthmus in southern Greece, uh, during that time, it was a commercial center uh, of the world. It had replaced the commercial center of Athens when it comes uh, to the region of Greece. There was about 200,000 residents from all over the Roman Empire that resided there within the city of Corinth. Corinth was a cosmopolitan area, and it was also an area that was very unsettled when it came to its population because it was a major trade route and because there was a lot of commerce that was being done there on that isthmus. One historian writes, much of the population was mobile and was therefore cut off from the inhibitions of a settled society. And therefore, because that city was filled with visitors and filled with travelers and filled with businessmen that would come through for their commerce, uh, oftentimes we would think about the city of Corinth and immediately we would realize that that was a place of flagrant sin. Uh, that was a place of licentious living. That was a place where people can come and leave unnoticed and they could indulge in their sinful lifestyle. And so this was a very corrupt city as we think about the city of Corinth. On top of that, it was filled with pagan religions. Uh, I think about the fact that that was the location concerning the temple of Aphrodite, the temple of Venus. 
historians teach us that from that temple there was a thousand prostitutes that would descend down throughout that city and they would practice their corrupt and their pagan religious sexual rituals. And so this was a place that was dark spiritually. This was a place that was filled with paganism. It was so notorious for its immorality that in the 5th century B.C., the Greeks coined a verb, and they said to Corinthianize. And that verb, that saying to Corinthianize, meant to commit sexual immorality. Uh, and so as we think about the sinfulness of this region, the darkness and the paganism, it would have played a part on the discouragement of the Apostle Paul. Yes, Ephesus was a difficult location, and yes, Thessalonica had its issues with the Jews that persecuted the Apostle Paul, and Athens was cold and indifferent when it came to the gospel, but none of them were as corrupt as the city of Corinth. And so the corruption and sinfulness would have played a part in Paul's overall discouragement and doubt. And sometimes we too can look at our society and we too can look around at our nation and we too can look around uh, at our generation and we see all the growing carnality. Uh, we see the increasing influence of the LGBTQ crowd and the woke agenda. We see all the corruption at the highest levels uh, of leadership. And if we're not careful, we too can become discouraged because of the darkness and the paganism of our land. So we find here, first of all, the sin of Corinth, but also I, I believe that Paul is being discouraged here because of the resistance to the gospel. If we look at a few verses before our passage here this morning, we find in Acts chapter 18, verse 5 and 6. It says, And when Silas and Timotheus were come from Macedonia, Paul was pressed in the spirit and testified to the Jews that Jesus was Christ. And when they opposed themselves and blasphemed, he shook his raiment and said unto them, Your blood be upon your own heads, I am clean. From henceforth I will go unto the Gentiles. And throughout Paul's second missionary journey, we find that he faced opposition and resistance after resistance when it came to the gospel message. Once again, as he entered into the city of Philippi, he was falsely accused, and then he was beaten by the lictors, and then he was put into the stocks, and he was thrown into their jail. As Paul entered into the city of Thessalonica, there the Jews were moved with envy and they railed up evil men and persecuted Paul and his companions. And then he entered into the city of Berea and there once again the Jews followed from Thessalonica and they forced Paul to flee because of their hostility. And here again in Corinth, we find here that he faces constant resistance. Yes, there was some fruit, but there's, there's a strong opposition when it comes to the Jews primarily towards the gospel message. And we find here some of Paul's frustration. We find it in these verses where it teaches that he shook his raiment. Uh, that, that, was a, that was a sign or a symbol of, of rejection because of their rejection of the gospel message. And then also the Bible says here concerning a strong statement, he said to the Jews, your blood be upon your heads. And basically he was saying, I'm done with you. I've done my part. I've preached the gospel to the Jews here in Corinth. Now I'm going to go to the Gentiles. John Phillips, in his commentary, writes concerning uh, this portion of Paul's life. He says, Paul was feeling the pressure in Corinth. Everywhere he had been so far, the Jews had fomented trouble against him. It could not be long before the same thing would happen in Corinth. And so we find a combination of the sinfulness of the city. Uh, we think about the constant opposition and the constant resistance that Paul was facing. And we realize here this morning that Paul was a great man of God, but at the end of the day, he was just a man. 
And here with the constant opposition and the darkness concerning the city of Corinth, we find Paul in this momentary season of discouragement where the Lord needs to encourage the heart of the Apostle Paul. And so we find here the reluctance or the retreat of Paul. But then I want you to notice with me, secondly, as we move on, we find the response of the Lord. Uh, the response of the Lord. And in verse number 9, the Bible reads there, Then spake the Lord to Paul in the night by a vision, Be not afraid, but speak, and hold not thy peace. And the word speak there obviously means to talk and to utter, but the implication here is that he would preach, that he would keep on speaking, that he would keep on preaching the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. And here comes to the Lord, to the Apostle Paul, in a night vision. And in essence, he is saying, Paul, I know that you're afraid, and, and I know there's some discouragement. I know you're physically wary. I know there's been some opposition and resistance, but now is not the time to remain silent. And now is not the time to be reluctant. And now is not the time to retreat. But Paul, he encourages him, I want you to speak up and continue preaching the gospel in this city of Corinth. And as he gives that encouragement to the Apostle Paul, I find here three comforting promises that God gives to renew the passion of Paul that he would keep on keeping on preaching the gospel. I find, first of all, in verse number 10, the presence of God. The presence of God. He says, for I am with thee. Amen. And you see here this morning when we're, fe uh, when we're fearful and maybe feeling a little bit discouraged in the work of God, there's no greater comfort, there's no greater encouragement, no greater peace than realizing the presence of God, that God will never leave you and God will never forsake you. I think about what somebody wrote, peace is not found in the absence of problems, but it is found in the presence of God. The psalmist writes in Psalm 23, verse number four, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me, thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. And thank God here this morning that as we go, and maybe you faced a lot of rejection these days, uh, maybe you've had a lot of resistance and opposition, and maybe within your heart you would be honest before the Lord and you would admit there's a waning when it comes to my zeal and my passion to share the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Let me encourage you here this morning that Almighty God is with you and he will not forsake you. And as you go and open your mouth, he will help you and he will guide you and give you the grace that you need that you might continue to be faithful in preaching the gospel. God's presence goes with you here this morning, and that gives comfort and peace within our hearts. In Hebrews 13, 5, the Bible says, Let your conversation be without covetousness, and be content with such things as ye have. For he has said, I will never leave thee, nor forsake thee. In Matthew 28, verse 19, the Great Commission, it says, Go ye therefore, and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. Amen. I think about the testimony of David Livingston, who went to the heart of Africa and uh, reached that continent with the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. He gives an account concerning one evening when he was surrounded by hostile, angry tribes and was strongly tempted to flee and to run away. And that night he opened up the Bible and he turned to the Gospel of Matthew and he came to the portion that we just read in the Great Commission there. And he came to the end where it says, And lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. 
He wrote in his journal that night, it is the word of a gentleman of the most strict and sacred honor, so there's an end of it. I will not cross furtively tonight as I intended. I feel quite calm now. Thank you, God. And several years later, as he was receiving an honorary doctorate, he stood before the people within that audience and he said these words, would you like me to tell you what supported me through all the years of exile among people whose language I could not understand and whose attitude towards me was always uncertain and often hostile? It was this, lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. On those words, I staked everything and they never failed. And you see here this morning, when we realize the presence of God, it will renew our passion. It will renew our courage and our faith to keep on keeping on preaching the gospel. Joshua 1.9 says, Be strong and of a good courage. Be not afraid, neither be thou dismayed. For the Lord thy God is with thee whithersoever thou goest. And so first of all, we find here the promise concerning the presence of God. Uh, as we continue in verse number 10, not only the presence of God, but I find also the promise concerning the protection of God. It says there, no man shall set on thee to hurt thee. And God was saying to Paul, keep standing for truth and keep speaking the gospel and I will protect you and I will take care of you. And I realized this was a specific promise that, that God was giving for a specific location there in Corinth concerning the ministry of the Apostle Paul. But could I also say here this morning by way of application that God will protect you, maybe not physically. We're not saying here this morning that as we serve the Lord and preach the gospel, we're not going to face physical persecution. Nevertheless, God will take care of you. Uh, nevertheless, God's grace will be sufficient for you. Nevertheless, God will guide you and give you the power and the strength, and he will uphold you with his mighty arm. In Isaiah 41.10, the Bible says, Fear thou not, for I am with thee. Be not dismayed, for I am thy God. I will strengthen thee, yea, I will help thee, yea, I will uphold thee with the right hand of my righteousness. And we find here in these promises that God is coming to Paul at a moment of discouragement. Uh, and thank God that the Lord ministers to us here this morning. And we might not hear the audible voice of God here this morning, but we have his word and his word is sufficient to minister and to give us grace. And his word reminds us that, that I'm with you, the presence of God. His word reminds us the protection of God, that he will uphold us, that he will give us the grace that we need here this morning. I want you to notice also we find the promise concerning the plan of God. And he says there to Paul, for I have much people in this city. And God in his providence had a perfect purpose and plan for Paul in the city of Corinth. And Paul might have thought the city is so corrupt uh, and the people are so depraved. There's nobody here that wants to hear about the gospel. There's nobody here that wants to get saved. There's, there's no way that a great work can be erected. There's no way that we can have fruitfulness within this city. But God says to Paul, I have much people in this city. And God is saying, I have people here, Paul, that you don't know about. I have people here whose hearts are softened, whose, whose hearts are open to the gospel message. If only somebody would go. 
If only somebody would knock on a door. If only somebody would stand up in the agora, in the marketplace. If only somebody would stand up and preach the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. And could I say here this morning as well that God has much people in the city of Lancaster and God has much people in the city of Palmdale and God has much people in the country of the United States and they're willing and ready to hear the gospel and to be saved. If somebody would go renewed with a passion and they would speak up and stand up and preach the good news about the death, the burial, and the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. And we need a renewal of passion here this morning. We need a revival of fire and of fervency that as we go out there this morning and as we go out there this afternoon and as we go out to our workplace, that everyone we see would be a prospect for the gospel and we would do everything within our power to share the good news of Jesus Christ. People are waiting. People are hungry. People are wanting hope within their life and they're willing to receive if simply somebody would go and preach the gospel. I remember several years ago, I was coming back from a conference, and uh, I, was, I got on a plane in Chicago with my dad flying back to Los Angeles, and, uh, and we got into the plane, and he ended up sitting on the aisle seat. I ended up sitting in the middle, and then there was the window seat that was open. And uh, whenever you have that arrangement, I think the same thought goes through all of our minds, and it's, Lord, please don't let anybody sit on this window seat. It's going to be awesome if I can stretch out my legs and kind of relax on this flight. And, and uh, the entire time as the passengers are walking in, you're, you're looking at all of them, you're observing them, and you're, and you're thinking to yourself, I hope he's not the one, I hope she's not the one, I hope nobody sits in this seat. And uh, sure enough, we got close to our time of, of closing the doors and getting ready to depart, and nobody had occupied that seat. And then at the last minute, as the, uh, as the stewardess was making the announcement that they're about to close the door, at the final minute, three big men walked onto that plane, and, and uh, immediately everybody noticed who they were. They were uh, soldiers. Uh, they were soldiers that were part of the Marines and large, strong uh, men that had walked in, and uh, they, were, they were somewhat loud, telling a lot of jokes, a little bit of cursing as well, and, and they started walking through that plane, and I thought to myself, I hope not one of them sits in this seat, because I want to relax and spread out my legs, and, and that was my thought process as I was sitting there, and sure enough, two of them ended up sitting on the other side of the plane across the aisle, and then there was one man that kept walking back towards the area of where I was sitting, and I thought to myself, he might be the one. And sure enough, he came and he looked over at my dad and I. He said, excuse me, that's my seat on the window. And so we moved out of the way and he sat down there uh, by the window and I said hello and made some small talk. And, and uh, immediately as I shook his hand and said hello, immediately the Holy Spirit of God started convicting my heart. And uh, the Holy Spirit of God was, was convicting me about, Paul, you got four hours on this flight. You better, you better share the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. And as soon as the Lord started convicting me, I started doing something that I'm sure that none of you do. And, and I started arguing with the Lord. And I said, no, Lord, I don't want to. I said, Lord, I'm tired. It's been a long week. And, and uh, Lord, this guy's, I mean, this guy's huge. I'm this small little skinny Asian kid. And, you know, his arm is about the size of my thigh. And, you know, he's got tattoos all over the place. I don't think he's going to want to hear from me about, about death and life and eternity and where are you going to spend uh, everlasting existence. And, and uh, I kept arguing with the Lord, but the Lord just kept convicting my heart. I couldn't get away from it. And so finally, I, I did something which, once again, I'm sure none of you would ever do. And, and uh, I resisted that conviction and I went to sleep, and uh, I started taking a nap. But as I closed my eyes, I couldn't sleep, and probably a few minutes went by, and I woke up once again, and as soon as I opened my eyes, conviction settled within my heart. Paul, you have to share the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. 
And I argued back and forth continuously. He's not going to want to hear. Uh, he's not going to listen to the gospel. He's not going to get saved. But eventually I finally succumbed to the leadership of the Holy Spirit of God. And, and uh, I got my Bible out and I looked over to that soldier and I asked him the question, if you die today, are you 100% sure that heaven would be your home? And uh, he responded negatively. He said, no. And then I asked him, if I can show you from the Bible, would you like to know? And uh, amazingly, he said, yes, I sure would like to know. And so for about the next 30 minutes or so, we went verse by verse sharing the gospel about the fact that we're all sinners and God loves you and Jesus Christ died for your sins. And if by faith, even up here on this airplane, if you'd bow your head and trust Jesus as your personal Savior, he'll save you and he'll give you a home in heaven. And I remember as I got towards the end of that gospel presentation, tears started forming in the eyes of this big, strong Marine. And as I asked him the question, would you like to bow your head and ask Christ to be your Savior right now, right here, on this plane, he said, yes, I sure would. And that man bowed his head and he trusted Jesus Christ as his personal savior. And after we said amen, he looked at me and he said these words. He said, I thought it was weird that I got separated from my buddies. But he said, now I know there was a reason why I sat in this seat. And I simply say that here this morning, that there's a reason why somebody's your coworker at work. Uh, there's a reason why you knock on that door this Saturday. Uh, there's a reason why you have those bus kids on your bus route. There, there's a reason for that. And the reason is that God wants you to speak up and to share the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. In Romans chapter 10, verse 13, it says, For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. How then shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in him of whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? And so we find here this morning from Acts chapter number 18, the reluctance or the retreat of Paul and then the response of the Lord. And then lastly, as we close here this morning, notice with me the renewal of passion. The renewal of passion in Acts chapter 18, verse number 11. And he continued there a year and six months teaching the word of God among them. And once Paul was reminded about the presence of God, uh, once he was reminded about the protection of God, once he was reminded uh, about the plan of God, he was renewed in his passion once again, renewed in his zeal to continue for 18 months, a year and a half, preaching the gospel, reaching souls, and confirming them in the truth of the word of God. And I believe all of us here this morning, from time to time, we need a renewal of passion within our lives. And I ask you once again here this morning, how is your passion? Uh, I wonder once again, how is your zeal in sharing the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ? Are we discouraged because of the debauchery and the sinfulness of the generation that we live in here this morning? Are we, are we somewhat discouraged because maybe of the constant resistance and the opposition that we face as we attempt to share the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ? Let me encourage you here this morning that God is with you. He will go with you as you preach the gospel. God will protect you, and God has a plan. There are much people here that are willing and ready to be saved if we would stand up and speak up and share the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so this morning, I want to encourage you, be renewed in your passion. Be reminded of the promises of God, his presence, his protection, his plan. And then I encourage you to apply it and implement it today. As you walk out of your room and you go to work, grab those tracks on top of your dresser. Uh, as, you, as you go throughout the city today, maybe you go to Walmart, take a few tracks and share it with somebody else. As you go out, maybe bus visiting on that street, 
Let's not just go church inviting, but let's go soul winning. Let's ask them about their eternal destiny and let's trust God that he will work through our lives if we by faith would stand up and speak up the glorious gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. I wonder here this morning, how's your passion? How's your fervency? Do you get excited about soul winning? Do you get excited about the weekend coming? Are you praying, Lord, give me a soul this weekend? Lord, give me a visitor on my bus. Lord, help me to meet somebody in my workplace. Lord, use me to win a person for the Lord Jesus Christ with the gospel. Is that your passion and your zeal and your excitement? If you would say here this morning that your passion has waned, I encourage you here today, be reminded of his presence, his protection, and his plan. And let's get renewed, and let's get out there and reach this world with the gospel.